Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We are in Genesis, chapter 9, starting at verse 20. Spread humanity over the earth. Well, God has been doing a great work. Genesis, the book of beginnings, right? And we've started at the beginning. He has created all things, created humanity. He blessed them. He wanted them to multiply and fill the earth, spread out, right? And then man has fallen, sin, Adam and Eve. I really blame Adam. He was given the command, if you remember. But through Adam, sin spreads through the whole human race, and God says, I can't take it anymore. They've become so violent and perverse and evil and wicked, and all they think about continually is wickedness and evil, and I must start over, and I must wipe out man through a flood. God cleanses the entire globe, and he starts all over again through righteous Noah and his family. Uh, and now Noah has uh, left the ark and sacrificed to the Lord and given thanks. And through Noah, uh, the human race has been spared and restarted all over again. And now God's command is now, again, populate, spread out, fill the earth. But they don't want to move. <laughs> they don't want to spread. They want to stay together. But mankind will be moved. They will spread out by the hand of God. Uh, they started, if you remember, in Eden. Then they get kicked out. How sad. Eden has fallen. And they spread through the Middle East, and from there they've spread to the ends of the earth. But God had to push them. God had to encourage them and use his power because they didn't want to spread out. They wanted to stay together. And of course, they spread from the old world to the new world, to the Americas. And now in America, we spread from east to west, right? Go west, young man. Now, my family came from, well, originally England and Germany, and then to America and Chicago. And my mother would watch the Rolls Bowl Parade in Pasadena in the cold winters here in Chicago, 20 below zero. Those blizzards, if you stay outside too long, they could actually kill you. And my mom was watching those Californians, and they would wear short sleeves and shorts, and, and they had flowers all year round. They had so many flowers. They decorated their floats with flowers. And my mom was saying, why are we staying in cold Chicago? We need to go to California, leave the snow, and go to the Sunshine State. And so we moved to Los Angeles. I lived in Montebello and Whittier and all over uh, Los Angeles and Orange County. And I'm so glad I grew up there from one big city to another. And we migrated, and you probably have family stories as well. Well, this is what's going to happen. Humanity will migrate and be pushed a little by the hand of God. 
Well, Noah is a righteous man, but he's not perfect. He has made his mistakes. And I would say, Noah, don't get drunk. Let's read it. Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. Then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and became drunk. Now, God's law, the Bible, tells us you could drink, but you're not supposed to get drunk. Being drunk, losing control, is a sin, not drinking alcohol in itself, but drinking too much. And Noah gets drunk. There is controversy over this because some believe that fermentation didn't happen until after the flood, and maybe he's drinking his wine and he doesn't expect it to knock him on his butt. You know, he doesn't expect the alcohol content. Some believe that. Uh, I was thinking about the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, 37. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. This is Jesus speaking, and this word drinking means alcohol, not drinking water. And so it makes me think from Jesus's commentary that alcohol existed before the flood and alcohol after the flood, and I don't know why Noah, being a righteous man, is getting drunk, but he is, and uncovered himself inside his tent, in his private home. Now, when we get drunk, sometimes we do crazy things and things that we regret. Uh, when I was around 21, 22, working at the bank, we had a big party for all our rich clientele, and we would wine and dine our customers. And as a supervisor, I had to help at the party, and uh, they set up what they called an open bar. And they said, John, we have an open bar. And I said, what's an open bar? Being a Christian, naive, grew up in the church, Christian home, I didn't really know alcohol. And they said, well, an open bar means it's free. Whatever you want, as much as you want. They make all these fancy drinks, and they got the bartenders here at the party. And I thought, free? Well, let me try some. You know, and I'll try one of those, I'll try one of those, I'll try, wow, there's all these mixed drinks, they're so fruity, they're so fun, wow, this is like candy. <laughs> I think I did 10 drinks or more. And then I had trouble. I had trouble walking and talking. I couldn't answer the phone. I couldn't eat my food. I couldn't get the fork in my mouth. And what is going on? And the first experience of being drunk. And I remember some of the employees mocking me and laughing at me, playing tricks on me, embarrassing me, saying, you're drunk, you're drunk, John. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And can I tell you, I hated it. I didn't like being drunk. I didn't like being laughed at and humiliated. And I felt like this. I felt like a nobody. And I hated alcohol, and I tried to run away from it. And maybe you've been there. Maybe it made you do crazy things you would never normally do. And so it is with Noah. He's inside his tent, naked, 
verse 22, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. It is a violation. It is a son violating a father. I think verbally, he's making fun of him. He's telling his brothers, oh man, father's falling down and he's naked and he's acting like a fool. You can't believe what he's saying and doing. I think it's a violation visually. He's looking upon him. Uh, he's exposed. He's vulnerable. Some would say maybe it's a violation even more. I don't know. But it is disrespectful. It is dishonoring the father. And in God's mind, this is a horrible thing. And in God's commandments, it says, honor your father and your mother. We pay respect and to be belligerent, to be mocking, to taking advantage of a horrible opportunity. This is not good in the mind of God. And father will be quite upset. Leviticus, part of the law, explains Leviticus 18.7, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father. It's a prohibition in scripture. You do not look on the nakedness of your father or mother. You do not have any kind of sexual encounters with family members. This is a prohibition by holy scripture. And so something horrible is happening here. You get drunk and you take off your clothes. I must admit I'm an old country western fan and tequila makes her clothes fall off. Have you heard it? Wow, what a mess we have here. 23. But Shem and Japheth, these are the other two sons of Noah, took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. They get it. They understand. You don't shame your parents. You don't humiliate them. You don't disrespect them. You don't mock them. And they dare not look on the nakedness of their parents, of their father. They're walking backwards, and the two of them are working together with this big robe and putting it over their father and to cover him. There's a scripture, it says, love covers a multitude of sin. When you love someone, you do the best thing for them, right? And can I tell you, there's some things you should never see, and there's some things you should never repeat, right? It's to be discreet and to show honor and respect. Yes, even if your parents mess up, they're still your parents. Maybe they get old, maybe they get senile, maybe they lose their faculties and their abilities, their memory and their mind, but they're still your parents, and you still honor them and love them, and you take care of them. Verse 24. When Noah awoke from his wine, 
he knew what his youngest son had done to him. It's a violation. I know what you did to me. I heard you talking. I saw you laughing and grinning and mocking me, calling me names. I saw you looking upon me. Why would you be so disrespectful to me? This is a big offense. Verse 25. So he, Noah, said, Cursed be Canaan. Something's wrong. You're cursing the wrong one. You're not cursing your son, Ham. You're cursing his son, Canaan. Is it a mistake? Or is it a most horrible curse? Because some parents would wish the curse upon themselves. Please, don't hurt my children for what I've done. Please, God, I don't want my child sick. I want the sickness upon me. And maybe this is father knowing if I hurt his son with this curse, it will really cut into his heart for what he did to me. So instead of cursing the son who does the crime, he curses his grandson. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't know why righteous Noah would do such a thing, but he curses the grandson. A servant of servants, the most lowly, he shall be to his brothers. My grandson, your son, Ham, your son, Canaan, will serve now the other brothers and their descendants. This is a curse, a punishment I put upon you. Wow, my sin can affect my children, my family, and those around me. Verse 26, he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Now you're going to serve your uncle, if you will. Verse 27, may God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. Now to share the tent, to share the dwelling place, is to share in the blessing and the gifts. So the two brothers are blessed because they did the right thing. They protected their father. They covered his humiliation. They loved him. They were discreet. They covered his sin, if you will. But Ham did not. He made a mockery and a visual violation of his father. And let Canaan be his servant. It's interesting how these curses of godly men come true later. And the curse will become prophetic. Later in Joshua 9.27, Joshua makes the Gibeonites serve and serve the other Jews. And this becomes a fulfillment of the curse. Verse 28. Noah lived 350 years after the flood. So all the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. They're all dying. I'm afraid we're all going to die. It's part of the curse. We're all going to suffer pain, suffering. You know, my, I blew my knee out. I really blame my own 
dumb self. I did have some complications of a, of a bite that might have infected, but you know, we all go through difficulties, trials, sickness, pain. I don't expect today to preach from a wheelchair. Uh, I talked to God. I said, God, I shouldn't be in a wheelchair. And God said, no, you need to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> you need to go to the hospital. You need to see the doctors. You need to be like everybody else. And maybe you can have more compassion for those that are in hospitals when you visit them, more compassion for the handicapped, for the people in the church that may be on crutches, in casts, maybe in wheelchairs. Now you can identify, sympathize, and empathize, and now you're in their shoes or in their wheelchair. And so God has a purpose, he has a plan, and sometimes we have to just accept it. Now, we have a lot of the genealogies that I don't want to read all the names and focus so much on them, but in chapter 10, Noah repopulates the globe, and we call this the table of nations. This is where the nations come from, and if you count them, we have 70, 70 nations. Now, it is Noah's three sons, in my opinion, it appears to me that Noah just has these three sons, and from these three sons that survived the flood, out of these three boys and their three wives, all humanity will come. So if you trace up our route, we all go back to Father Noah, but we come through his three sons and their three wives. All humanity... We're from the same family again. First Adam and Eve, now Noah and his wife. This is our parents. We're all one family. God has created us all. Yeah, but we look different in the pigments and, and features. And I know, you know, over time, when you live in different cultures and climates and, and you have variations, but we're still fingers and toes. We're all human, right? If you cut me, don't I bleed red like you? We're all humans, no matter our features, no matter our colors. I've been to various nations. Uh, some cultures really love Americans. Uh, some cultures don't. I've experienced some nationalities in my travels that uh, put me down and were discriminative and said bad things to me. And I said, why would you treat me so bad? And they'd say, because you're an American and I'm better than you. I guess it's a reverse discrimination, you know. Everybody's attacking somebody. Everybody thinks they're better than somebody else. But hopefully not in the Christian church and not in the Christian mind. We're all children of our, from our Creator, right? He made us all, and we come from these same families. Now, in verse, well, let's read verse 1 of chapter 10. Now, these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and sons were born to them after the flood. Now, we're listing the men, not the women. These are all the men. And from these men, from the fathers, we get the nations of the world. Verse 2, the sons of Japheth. And there they are. If you count them, 14. 14 men become 14 nations. 
Verse 6, the sons of Ham. And there they are listed. If you count them, we have 30. 30 men become 30 nations. 21, we skip also to Shem. And he has 26 children who become 26 nations. And the whole family tree becomes 70, if you count them all. Skipping down to verse 32. These are the families of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies by their nations. And out of these, the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. I must admit, being from California, I loved as a child Disneyland. My mom worked for Western Electric Telephone Company that sponsored and helped build It's a Small World, and it still exists today, have you seen it? And all the little children of the world, and they're all little robotic dolls, and they sing the song, It's a Small World After All, It's a Small World. Yeah, you know the song, right? And just all the beautiful children, God's creation. I think to God it's a very small world, it's a little dot, you know. But it's so sad that the nations would fight and have discrimination and battle and I'm better than you and I hate you and I enslave you and I attack you because you're different than me. But we discover from our roots, we all go back to the same family tree and the same branch, if you will, or trunk of Noah. Leave the big city called Babel, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It's debated what language. From the Bible, it appears to me that the names of the original people are Hebrew. And so many scholars believe the first language, like the Bible, was Hebrew, the Jewish language. That could be. But many languages will develop by the hand of God. Verse 2, it came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there, a big open, spacious place to build the biggest city ever. Kind of development, right? Planning and developing the first major city. Verse 3, they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly, like a kill, right? Where when you bake them and you burn them in intense heat, they become very strong and powerful, and you can build big buildings, tall towers of baked bricks. And they used bricks for stone, and they used tar for mortar. This is their building material. Verse 4, they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city, and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Let us build, right? Come, let us build. Humanity has their goals. They want to build great things. Monuments. 
the architects building great cities, storehouses, pyramids, the wonders of the world. I have a background in archaeology, and I've gone to the various digs, ancient cities, ancient ruins. Uh, I've been to Jerusalem, one of the oldest cities, the holy city. I've been to Jericho, one of the longest cities to exist. And here they build their special city and a tower that reaches to heaven. Not just a tower, but a ziggurat, an ancient Mesopotamian temple tower, and at its top they would cap it with a shrine, used for holy purposes, for religious purposes. Humanity has kind of kicked God out, but being spiritual beings, they must worship something or someone or some other gods. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno, at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567, and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.